Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I'm the host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. And I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, all veteran-owned businesses, Semper Savage, Bottom Gun Coffee, and Quezon Shaving Company. Thank you so much. And I got a special guest today. I got another Marine on Oscar Mike Radio. It's always great talking to my fellow brothers and sisters. Uh, I met him out in Nashville, thanks to Andrew Farr. Andrew, how are you doing? I want to welcome Greg Peace, Oscar Mike Radio. Greg, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate getting to be on here. I'm excited to share. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Andrew told me all about you as only Andrew can, and I, and I loved it. I'm like, okay, man, we're going to meet this dude and check him out. But I, I really got to get a, a glimpse, maybe, of, of what you were all about during the Echelon Front event at uh, Operation Stand Down in Nashville. And you, you really, you know, presented your, your, your topic and idea in a way that really resonated with me. So before we get into all that, and that's the good stuff, well, it's all good. Give me a little, you know, Cliff Notes version of your Marine Corps career and transition, please. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I joined, I did the, I hopped in the delayed entry program uh, when I was 17. I joined from a, a, a group home. I had a, a bit of a eventful childhood. I had some child abuse. I ran away when I was young, some things of that nature. And um, so I, and, 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 you know, actually a funny story about uh, getting in the Marine Corps. I, I actually went um, it, while I was in high school. I, there was the, they had the one day where the recruiters came and set up and, and I didn't have, I didn't even think that I had the ability to join the military. And I, I figured because of um, my background, I'd already had been through a court system, detention centers, things of that nature. So I didn't think military was even an option for me. And I, and I actually went over near the recruiters because I was trying to talk to a girl and an army recruiter presents himself to me and he says, Hey, you know, blah, 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 you know, gives me his little pitch. And I was like, Hey, if you can get me in, let's do it. Um, so I, I go to his office, actually army first. And, um, and so he's like, looks everything over. He's like, yeah, I think I can get you taken care of. He sets up a date for, for, to send me off to the MEPS where we sign up. And, uh, and, and the, the group home that I was living in, there was a lady, she said, don't you think you should, um, explore all the branches? And I was thinking in my head when she said that, I was like, whoa, don't rock the boat, lady. I got an option here. <laughs> um, so she she called the other recruiters and said, hey, this kid, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Staff Sergeant Janos uh, would not forget that gentleman's name. Um, I was I was packed up, ready to go to MEPS, standing on, sitting on the, the steps of the group home. And I thought an army recruit and the Staff Sergeant Janos Marine guy comes and he's like, hey, big dog. He's like, get in the car. I'm thinking the army guy probably sent him. They all work together. <laughs> he posts you. Oh, full on. Oh, full <laughs> on. Um, so, so I get in the car. He takes me. Now, his office is right next door to the army. So he takes me to his office, and he's like, you want to be in the Marine Corps? It's so awesome. The, the uniform, the thing. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, can you get me in? And so he looks everything over. He's like, yeah, we can get you in. I said, I find out uh, through the conversation that that this is not the army. The army. So I was like, what about the army? I thought I was supposed to go with them. He's like, I'll take care of that. He literally went next door and had a conversation with them. So that's it. I joined, I joined the Marine Corps. Um, and I did eight years in the Marine Corps. I was infantry by trade the whole time. I did uh, three combat tours. Um, so I did uh, between February 04, I leave for the first one. And I forget the month, but in 2007, I come back for my third one. 
Um, I had intentions to go back on a, on a fourth deployment and 2007, I was diagnosed with severe PTSD and TBI. And, uh, I reenlisted while I was in either Iraq or Kuwait on that first deployment. And, um, shortly after getting back from that first deployment, uh, was when I was, uh, diagnosed and determined to be non-deployable. So for my last three and a half years, um, oddly enough, I was absurdly disgruntled about it, but in hindsight, what an honor. I got to read for a uh, ride for the Marine Corps Mount at Color Guard doing things like the Rhodes Parade and stuff like that, which was, again, in hindsight, what an honor. Wow. Well, just going back to your Marine Corps career a little bit, you know, you, you grew up in this challenged way, you know, in a, in a group home. Did you get a sense of, of family and brotherhood when you got to the fleet out of boot camp? Did, did that start to cement for you then? I would say um, so. I guess the shortest answer is yes, um, because of the way the timing and, and where. So uh, I went to um, uh, through boot camp in in Par uh, East Coast, Paris Island. I did School of Infantry, East Coast, North Carolina. And um, as the war was getting more aggressive, we got orders to go to West Coast. I was uh, 2nd Battalion, 7th Marines in Tornado Palms. And when I got out there, I I'm not sure the exact amount of days, but I was only in my unit for maybe two weeks or something like that. And we left for a deployment. So pre-deployment, I didn't even know who these humans were. Post-deployment, we were all family. Nice. Nice. I, I mean, people hear that a lot, but don't really hear it, right? You know, you hear, you know, they'll, they'll hear the word brotherhood and, you know, esprit de corps and all that. But, you know, you do become very tight with people you serve with in a way that, you know, even I can't describe. So, your last part of your tour, you're doing this, you're dealing with the effects of TBI and PTSD and you separate. What what was that transition like with those challenges on board, Greg? Um, and so so we're talking transition military to civilian, is that correct? Correct, correct, correct. Ooh, man, that was eventful. Um, in 2000, so January of 2011 is when I got out of the Marine Corps and it was... Um, you know, the, the way I, the way I would suggest, um, so I, I ran away from home when I was roughly, so there, there was the child abuse piece ran away. It was like, maybe it was 11 years old, something like that. And then in, 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 um, state's custody of some form all the way through. And then, and then the military, when I got out of the military, it didn't take long. Um, I ended up having, I took, I, I was very irresponsible with money. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> so, very irresponsible. So I got out with next to nothing, pretty much that last paycheck. I'm like, here you go. Um, I went and got a, a, a studio, put a little deposit on that, paid like two months of rent. And um, with, within a couple of months after that, I had no electricity. I had an eviction notice and so forth. I truly and 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 I've evolved and it's it's my and our responsibility to not continue to live that life of a victim. And it's still important to highlight at that time I did not how to know how to take care of myself as an adult. My whole entire life there was some form of chow hall. There was a place to be, there was you had there was a set of rules at every given time. And when I get out and there was nothing, I really didn't I was like, what do I do? Like where's the there's a chow hall. I got to pay for all my food. <laughs> the check stop hitting on the first and 15th. No. So it was, it was really rough. Um, mentally, um, it, it, like you talked about that brotherhood, um, they were everything. They were everything to me. That brotherhood was everything to me. And, and when I got out, you know, it seemingly disappeared now more so it was in my mindset than anything else. 
Um, I almost, I, I almost lost a battle with, to suicide in 2011 and the transition was reading. Um, I, I, I started reading, I didn't read before, not books, not complete books. I didn't read. And I, I the first book I picked up was on forgiveness and, oh, really? and I, and, and, and sadly, I know everyone, this was in 2011. Everyone asked like, what was the author? What was the title? I don't remember. But I, but I, I read this book and, and to be candid with everyone watching, I read this book as a challenge to God. And, and, and at this time I really felt like, and it was, it wasn't like a, um, an overly stressful, I, you know, I felt like I consciously processed that I was a, I, I was not a value to society that it would literally be more valuable for me to just go ahead and disappear. I, I, and I, in my mindset that, that, that existed at that time. And, um, this, this book on forgiveness, I knew that I probably had a little bit of work on forgiveness to do. And so I literally, I remember challenging God and, and, and again, just being candid that if there was something in this book, I'll read it. And by the end of the book, you're going to give it to me or that's the message. That's the answer then. And, uh, I'm still here. Um, that book really just set off a journey. Um, I've, I don't know the exact count, but I've, I've conquered over 50 books this year already. Oh, great. Yeah. So books has really been a, a an outlet and a way for me. Books has been an outlet. Has your faith been a foundation? Uh, faith. Yes. Um, faith. Yes. Um, I have a, I personally have a, a very powerful relationship with God. Um, and, uh, I, I don't, um, I, I'm more, I'm, I'm much more into spirituality than religion. Sure. Sure. So. I, I'm the same way. Um, you know, I'm not what you would call a, a church goer, but I, I have, God's talked to me on the motorcycle over a cigar in, in powerful ways. Absolutely. And certainly during, during dark points in my life, I didn't get out of those without, without the Supreme Commandant, as we say, guiding me through. I just wanted to ask that because, you know, again, you know, I'm talking to Greg Pease, you know, he, he's in the coaching now. And I wanted to bring out this part of the story that sometimes your faith is, is something that you can use to help you get through certain parts of your life without being religious. So thank you for sharing that. So you're going through these challenging trans, you know, transition times. And it sounds like to use a term that I've heard before is the, the institutionalization. Wow. Well, if that's a word, but you were, you were in an institution of some form or fashion from a uh, young childhood through your adult life you know, didn't give you some of the tools you needed to be an adult and you're reading about forgiveness and you overcame that, you stepped back from the abyss. What started happening when you took that step back, Greg? You know, it, it really was a manner of, now at, at the time I was living like like a hermit crab. So I, I, I didn't have friends. I just got out. So I would read these books. I would, at first I didn't have a job. Eventually I, I, I found a job and I would, I would show up to work and I'd come home and, and I'd read these books. And, and when I would go out in the world, go out in the world, when I'd go out in the world, I would genuinely, when people hear, people are going to hear what I'm about to say, but if they could feel it, right? We, we've read, so we read 50 books this, this year. Okay. That's a cool number. How much have I truly integrated from each book? And it's like one little piece, one little piece, because to integrate everything from one of those books would probably take me years. 
And, and so the, the value was I actually went out in life and I, and I just played life as a game. I just entered life and collected data and feedback. So I went out and the book said to do this. So I said, well, let me try that with someone and, and or let me try that with myself. Or when a problem comes up, I'm going to try that thing. And I would literally go out and do it as a sheer experiment. And, and as I began to do these experiments, I started to realize that things worked. And, and the more that I believed, the more that I realized I could achieve, which goes 100% a, a, a testament to faith. Someone asked me the other day, they said, how are you so confident? And I said, I truly believe I work on keeping my heart in a certain place, which I call my true north. And I truly believe at this point, God won't let me fail. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe any different. Um, but the shift was going out and literally experimenting and something happened favorable. And I said, oh, I'll keep that experiment. And I started collecting these experiments, if you will, or these learnings. And then able to take the, the whole or the aggregate of those experiments and, and build a new life. A hundred percent. And it's, it's been a journey, the, the, the journey of, you know, the last year, two years of my life have really just begun to skyrocket and take off. And it's amazing. The truth is in the last 11 years, every single year has climbed period. The last two years, the incline is, is, is awesome, but every single year. And it's a matter of allowing yourself to go through the journey, or that's my belief. You experiment at life. You're like, okay, this works, that works. Someone liked that thing that I did. And you grow. And, and you know, the thing that I like what you said about, you know, your, your journey is it wasn't like a sharp uptake in progress. It was done over time. It almost seems like that you made these small iterative commitments every day to be better over these years and then now you're seeing this uptick because you've done all this work prior is, is that an accurate assessment man i couldn't say it i i, I was that was very well worded that's exactly what's what what has taken place so so fast forward to the good stuff i mean you know we could we could i mean i, I understand the journey right but you get to this point a year and a half two years ago where all of a sudden the the throttle gets wide open yeah yeah and, yeah is that when you said, you know, I'm going to really bet on myself and start this growth mind academy or mind growth academy? Yeah, close enough. So he, so what happened, oddly enough? So over the course of in 2005, so 2011, I maybe I read one, maybe I read two books. I don't know. 12, 13, 14, we started increasing. We started reading like five books in a year, which to me was like impressive. Um, 2015, I set a goal for 12 books. I'm like, I'm going to do one every month. I got done that book and I did, or that book, I got done that year and I did 25 books. And when I got done that year, I was like, whoa, 2015 starts, stuff started to really happen. Um, okay. So, um, roughly a year and a half ago, whatever it was, I overheard two people talking about NLP. I, I never went up to them and, and had a conversation with them. I overheard two people talking about it. And the things that I heard, just, I could not, un, I mean, it was just sucking in all of my bandwidth, all of my attention. And it sounded like it quantified the last 10 years of my journey. I was so, like, go ahead, go ahead. So I, I've seen in your, your website, social media posts, NLP, NLP, NLP. Now I, I got out of terminal Lance, Greg, you know, I mean, <laughs> senior Lance corporal and all that. What does NLP mean? 
because I, I didn't know and I don't really know. So so educate me here. What's that mean? Yeah, and 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 you're not in a you're not in a lone boat. Everyone that's that's listening has either studied in NLP or they're asking the same question right now. Okay. Um, that's a great question, a great time to elaborate on. So NLP stands for neuro linguistic programming. And if I was forced to put it into a sentence, I would well, say, um, <laughs> no, and I'll, I'll elaborate. I'll, I'll, I'll give you any questions you have around it. Let me, cause any question you have, everyone else has, um, sure. what I would suggest to really, really condense it is that NLP is the study of how we communicate and form decisions. That's what I would, that's what I would bring it down to now inside of that, it breaks down. So communication some or most of us may realize um, the words we use right now, if you just closed your eyes and only listen to the words that I was saying, the actual words, um, that's only 7% of the communication going down. Now, one thing other that's true in NLP starts breaking this down and NLP gets so, so deep. Um, our words are just sounds. So when I say door, that's just the sound that I'm making. And we all have, society has agreed that when we hear that sound, we know in English that what part of the house that means or the building that means. Fair enough. All this doesn't mean nothing extra. My point is each word is a sound. 38% of our communication is how we hold the pitch in that sound. So if I said, go to the door, or if I said, go to the door, I would create two different emotional feelings for someone when they heard that. Um, if I paused, if I said, go to the door, I force everyone in to listen, go to the what? And so I'm communicating in the absence of words. And then 55%, believe it or not, a whopping over half of our communication happens from body language. This right here. Um, so it really breaks down. And even that is just, just the tip of the tip of the sphere for, for, um, our communication. It, it gets deeper into our, um, word patterns and how we say things I'm currently working on in my life. And I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I got, I got some room. I got some room left. I'm doing pretty good. I'm working on me and my wife are working on only saying things the way we want them. That doesn't mean that we don't um, that, that, so for example, my wife, the other day, she said, Hey, don't forget. I had a, a bottle of wine for someone as a, as a gift. And she said, don't forget that bottle of wine. And I looked at her and I chuckled. My wife's certified in NLP. I chuckled and I said, you mean, remember the bottle of wine? And she chuckled. And so we went on, um, when my gonna, son, I was going to say, Greg, I mean, you're doing this with your wife. That must be a whole like expansion of the data set that, you know, that must be a, a lot of lessons. Massive, massive. And my wife, so we're talking about how the, how my wife got involved. So I, I went and, and produced, so our, we have a son, uh, seven years old. He's, he's slightly on the spectrum and he, uh, again, seven. So the first couple years, like the first four years, we were like, what's going on? What do we do? We'd go to the doctor and be like, what do we do? They're like, you're doing fine. I'm like, we don't feel like we're doing fine. <laughs> um, after NLP, I realized how I was communicating with him. There's a saying in NLP that says that the response you get is the meaning of your communication. So what I realized was everything my son was doing, be it on the spectrum or not, I was causing. Now, for, reject that. For everyone that says, no way. Hey, just reject it. Don't worry about it. I'm not here to convert anyone. But for me, I was in on it. I'm like, I'm bought in. So I came back. So I started communicating with him a little bit differently, and I got different responses. And literally, I think it was January of this year, my wife literally, she would sometimes I would do things with our son and and I would get him I would get his buy-in on something that we couldn't get his buy-in on previously. 
for example, he, he wouldn't let us uh, cut his hair for like the first four years. He wouldn't let us do anything with like, it just mopped down. Like we couldn't do anything with it. And then I, I come home from NLP and I literally, I'm in the bathroom cutting his hair and he's laughing and, and we, no one at four years, no one has been able to cut his hair. And my wife would be like, what is going on? And I would joke at the time she wasn't certified. I look at her, I'd say it's magic. And she didn't find it as funny, but um, come January this year, she literally said, she said, I had enough. When, when's the next certification? I want to get certified. She got certified in April and holy smokes, the, the integration and downloads in our house are just extremely powerful. That's amazing. So it's all about communication too, but I'm just guessing here because I, I hate assumptions that, you know, if you're, if NLP is about how you do this, is there a part of NLP about how you receive it? So NLP, I suggest with all people that I teach, NLP is a very powerful modality, um, meaning that I cannot control the way that someone uses it. So it could be used in a million and one different manners. Okay. Um, what it is, is an understanding. It's really the algorithm of how the mind works. Whenever I teach NLP, I use extreme ecology. Ecology is the study of consequences. I think ecology is more important than integrity. And the reason why, the reason why is because we say integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking. Problem is, who is the judge of the right thing? True. Ecology is simply the study of consequences. When I do this, what will be the result of it? And is that a positive or a negative result for society? I, I, I tend to remove the filter of right and wrong because I believe that that filter is false. Um, I do, I do for the, everyone's listening says, whoa, 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 whoa. I do believe in certain inherent rights or certain inherent truths. And there's a lot fewer than we actually hold to be true. Um, so with that being said, uh, ecology, I do ecology of when I work with. When I teach NLP, I teach it from a place of self. So I'm always using it on self. And by using it on self, people are interacting with me differently. Um, it's never a place of using NLP on someone. Um, I can only teach someone NLP. Um, it's always use an NLP for self. Does okay. that help answer the question? Or oh yeah, that... absolutely, okay. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and I, I think I think I'm buying what you're saying about um, consequences. I, I, because I think a lot of times in my life, you know when I've failed to think about the consequences is when I've really stepped in it. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, looking back, if I had focused more on the consequences, maybe I would have chosen a different way to deal with that. And when, when we, when I, when I speak on, on ecology specifically, what I share with people is you, you have self to self, self to others, self society, self to society and self to planet. Um, this one's a lot bigger than most people are considering. Um, so self to self is the, one of the first things. What is the consequence to self of me doing this? Am I, am I selling out my true north? Because if I'm selling out true north, I, we got abandoned ship now, yesterday. So first is self. First is self. Like, and, and what are the consequences? So the other person that I'm working with. What are the consequences? And when I use the word consequences, I don't just mean negative consequences. I mean, what are the results, if you will, of this behavior and how does it affect that person? And then, and then uh, we both get to benefit from it. Does society get to benefit from it? Are, are we, are we running, uh, uh, and, and for, forgive me for a lack of better term, are me and a buddy running a drug house in a neighborhood and we're selling drugs that's hurting the people? 
because now we're benefiting, we're good to go, but the consequence of society is not so, so self to self, self to self society. And the last piece is self to plan. And again, most people aren't, aren't, aren't on that level. Um, and, and however, if I was doing something that benefited me, benefited um, the other person and benefit all of society, but at some level, I was mining the earth into a collapse. I, I, once again, there, there, there's another issue with ecology. Gotcha, gotcha. It's just out of curiosity, you're, 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 we'll get into, we'll go back to the business here in a second, but has your military experience, your Marine Corps experience, you know, been a help or hindrance or just something you've done as you've grown this business out? Military has been a huge help, a huge okay. help. I would say, so there's, there's definitely a discipline aspect um, and most, some people listening might be like, Marine Corps should be a big aspect, right? Definitely a discipline aspect. Um, because of my childhood, I, I had, there's a period of time, there's, there's a period and I still continue to work through. If anything, I have, sometimes I am much too brass tacks. So from my childhood in combination with the military, discipline was, was an extreme factor. One of the big benefits of military is small unit leader, leadership in general, understanding leadership in general from all different levels and understanding a pecking order and understanding the importance of delegation. When we look at delegation, what I share with people is some people, some people struggle with delegation. Some people, it's been my experience through some of the things that I've went through because leadership's just simply not taught. We either got a good example or we didn't get a good example. And if we didn't get a good example, that's what we have for leadership, sadly. That's just what it, what exists. A lot of times in someone that is not versed in leadership that ends up in that position, delegation to them means the task that I don't want to do. Like low man on the totem pole gets the task that I don't want to do. I believe that delegation is finding a way to empower others to be part of the mission. So they get to grow because they have the opportunity to do this thing. And by them doing this thing, I can scale by allowing myself to have more time, more money, whatever the case may be. The Marine Corps taught me a whole lot about leadership and the pecking order from top to bottom and how to delegate. Um, and that's, that's carried over in a, in a massive way in business for me. So you're a Marine Corps veteran, you, you serve the infantry, you have challenges growing up and during your service, you, you get out and then you start reforging yourself. And what was the catalyst? What was the moment you said, you know what, I, I, I'm to a point now where I want to launch the Mind Growth Academy. Okay. And what are you hoping it. to do? Hope, what are you hoping? So that's question one. And question two is what are you hoping to do with this? Yeah, I love it. So when I when I overhear this whole NLP conversation, I go do my own research. Okay. Um, if you if you Google, if you haven't Googled NLP, go ahead and Google NLP. You'll find all kinds of weird esoteric stuff. I seen all this stuff and I was sucked in. I'm like, I'm feeling this. Like I'm vibe. I don't know what's going on yet. Like most people, if you've Googled it before, but I'm vibing. I'm like, there's something that I just heard that kind of like I am like pulled to this literally by display and action of today. I was pulled to it. So I go to my first training and NLP has, has different levels. There's a practitioner level, a master practice. By the way, anyone wondering, 
NLP is no form of MLM or network marketing whatsoever in no way, shape or form. There's no, there's no affiliate program involved with NLP in any way, just to be clear. Um, however, there's a practitioner level, a master practitioner level, a trainer level, and then a master trainer level. Um, so I go in and I do my training for the practitioner level. It was like, I think it was like nine days, like 10 hours a day. It was in Orlando. Oh, wow. it's, it's, it's quite a ticket. It's quite a ticket. Um, it's, you know, it's roughly like my ticket to get in there is, is 5,000, but then we have travel, Airbnb, rental car, food. So it's quite a ticket. And um, I believe in it. I'm called to it. I'm will. I'm willing. And when I went there, I committed to myself. I shared it out loud externally to my wife. But the commitment was to self. I said, I'm going all in. I'm putting everything on the table. I'm putting everything on the table. Like, this is probably, well, no, I'm very comfortable saying at the time, this is the largest investment I've made on self. We're talking near $10,000. So this is like scary. Like since then I've made much larger investments for self, but at the time this is like, holy smokes. So I committed to myself that when we get done this adventure, it will not because I be because I reserved anything if it doesn't work. So I went there and I went all in. And after these nine days, I had an undeniable experience. There was no, there was no way around it. My life was completely altered. And from there I said, you know what? I want more. So I, I, I went back just a couple months later. I went to Henderson, Nevada. The master practitioner level, I think was like 16 days, 10 hours a day, plus pre-studies, reading books. There's a test at the end. So I did the master practitioner level. I stayed out there. I was out there for like six weeks. I stayed out in Hendersonville and I go right back and do the trainer level. Um, and then right now um, I'm on a, uh, I think I'm beginning my second year apprenticeship of a, of a five-year apprenticeship at the master trainer level. Um, so when I got totally sucked in, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm loving all these tools. Like I'm immediately implementing it. Now, I do believe that I was able to utilize so much of it so quickly because of the prior 10 years. That's a belief. So I was already set up. Um, what happened was over the last 10 years, I, I went and got like, green beans and I ate them and I'm like, these are good. And then I went and got potato salad and I'm like, I ate it and I was like, this is good. And then I went and got a piece of roast and I ate it and it was good. NLP was an entire buffet served right on a plate, right in front of you, everything all together, all at once. Um, so when I got back from the training, um, I was operating differently, like a clear, like communicating differently, like just mega different. So people were attracted to that. And so I worked with a couple people and, and no money exchange. I'm like, well, let me, like, you're my friend. Let me just try. And I worked with a couple people and the testimonies were just unreal. They're like, oh my gosh, this is life-changing. And I was like, whoa, I got to get this in more hands. Um, so the idea of launching and what's next for the, the, the academy. So in the, in the training academy, our main focus, while we run a couple other courses, our main focus is certifying practitioners of neuro-linguistic programming, as well as timeline therapy. So it's two different certifications, two different modalities. And my belief and what my goal is with this academy is that for every coach that I certify, I want to help them impact a hundred people. Because now for every person that I impact, I have a 100 fold impact on the world on that. And that that's what I'm looking to achieve. I want to, I want to certify as many coaches as possible through this, through this academy. And then I have a follow-up program with all the coaches that we have a, a mastermind every one, every third Wednesday of every month, uh, meeting in person and helping these coaches 
launch their own individual business. Again, there's no affiliate. They don't pay for the mastermind. Um, it's just my passion that each one of these that I can affect a hundred more through them or, or more. So you believe in believing in this because of your own life and what it's done for others has really fueled your, your drive. I wouldn't say passion that you're driven to get that 100 per person. Absolutely. So 10 people is a thousand, a hundred people is 10,000. So, you know, this could, this could be world changing. That, I mean, and, and tr truthfully, the information that exists in NLP, it's, 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 it's really based around factually breaking down data. And, and when we talk about understanding, we said um, understanding communication, how we form decisions. Most of our decisions are formed on our beliefs. The dilemma is, and I am, listen, the big part of NLP is inventory in our beliefs. Who am I to tell you what beliefs to release and what beliefs to keep? The problem is all of your beliefs, most people, all of your beliefs you've adopted as a truth. And some of those beliefs are limiting beliefs, but you adopted them as a truth. And when we can go in and break that down and we no longer have the limiting beliefs, all of a sudden we have total confidence. We are totally ready. We're just taken off. People are like, how are we doing that? We, we all believe that our beliefs are truth. We all believe that our beliefs are truth. I didn't say that your beliefs weren't truth. What I'm suggesting to people is inventory each individual belief and does it serve you well? Some of your beliefs were implanted when you were five years old, you were singing in the bathroom and there was a, a party at your house and it was a neighbor over and they said something to your uncle and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that that child's singing like that. And you heard your uncle laugh from inside the bathroom and you're like, I can never, that, that shocked your uh, confidence. And 30 years later, you don't even remember that event, but it's a limiting belief that's embedded inside of you. So as you're going through this, you know, you've told me that people responded well to this. Can you dig a little deeper and tell me, say, a success story of, of a person who really took this and like yourself changed their life? Or I mean, what I'm trying to get is I, I want to hear about somebody who, who did this and now you're seeing them go from zero to say like 47 or 73 people impacted. Do you have one of those? Yeah. So, so as I, I, I got to highlight, there was, so my, one of my favorite stories of success to share is, um, so, so it's a friend of mine and we'll just, we'll just, um, we'll say her name's Tina. Her name's not Tina. We're going to go with Tina. Tina sounds good. Tina sounds good. Um, so, so she worked at a fact, so, so it's $5,000 a ticket to do the certification course, two certifications. And, um, this, this person, Tina worked at a factory. And Tina made sub $50,000 a year, which um, in middle Tennessee can keep you afloat, uh, but it doesn't buy too many extras. And a $5,000 ticket on that salary is a massive ticket. Um, Tina has been a friend of mine for maybe seven years before this course. Tina seen the change in my life and came to me and said, hey, what's going on with this course? Had a conversation. And I explained to Tina, I said, I, I love you. You're my friend. I understand how, how much this, I understand what this would mean for you to have to pay this. And I told her, I said, I will not discount it. It's not because I need your money, but it's because you need the deficit so that you can fill that void when you take the training. If people, people that I'm going to suggest when we don't pay for things, when we get them for free, we're checking them out to see if the secret's in there. When we pay for something, 
we we have to extract if i pay a thousand dollars for something i have to extract a thousand dollars in value back she paid the ticket she went through the course she went through the course in november of last year so 2021 uh, we go through the holidays and January rolls around and I hadn't spoken to her since the completion of the course. And I thought to myself and and, and I thought, man, I, I need to check up with Tina. I, I thought I need to check up with Tina. I, I hope everything's going well. When she went, when she came to the course, um, life was very uh, dismantled. Um, she wanted to quit her job. She felt like she was being taken advantage of at her job. She didn't know what direction to go, things of that nature. I meet with her for lunch in January. She gets certified in November. I meet her in January. I sit down and I say, how are everything going? And she, she said, oh, it's going good. So how's work? Work's good. I said, um, are you, you're, are you going to quit your job? She said, yeah. I said, but work's going good. She said, yeah. And I was, I was a little bit confused. I'm like, oh, tell me more. And she said, oh my God, Greg. She said, I couldn't believe she said before. I felt like they were taking advantage of me, that I didn't want to be here and that they were making me be here. She said, I, I completely realized, she said, I'm going to leave them and they're teaching me new skills. She said, I feel like I'm taking advantage of them now. I was like, oh, I was like, well, that's awesome. I said, so how do you feel with the course and, and everything you learned in the course? She looked at me and she said, I feel like a commoner with the elite's knowledge. And that, that now we can talk about other people that have went out. Um, so I've had people in my course that make five, $600,000 a year and have literally since taken the course, went out and built uh, training, um, I'm sorry, coaching uh, businesses and have 10, 15, 20 clients under them. And that's awesome. And they're, they're achieving financial success because of the certification. But it really, that one was the most intimate to me. When she looked at me and she said, oh my God, when she said that, when she talked about her job, because everything that we hold to be a truth, the power of freedom is how we hold it in our mind. I heard a story one time, there was two guys, a successful business owner and, and someone that's an alcoholic, they're, they're biological brothers, they have the same father. When this guy asked why he was an alcoholic, he said, because my dad was an alcoholic, I'm predispositioned to it. When this kid was asked, the, this brother was asked why he's a successful business person, he said, because my father was an alcoholic. I didn't want my kids to have to go through that. How we add the value for how the, the situation exists, yes, people try to come, no, but my job really sucks. I believe you, but you're adding the value to it. This guy decided to be a successful business person for the same reason that this guy decided to be an alcoholic. It's almost like the, the self-awareness you need before you make a choice Bingo. And, and where you're aware will govern or dictate or influence your outcome. 100%. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. It's all about, it's, it's it, literally uh, the word outcome just rings. So it's all about, it's really, what is our action? What's the outcome? What do we believe the outcome of our action to be? We can't know everything. However, we, we take actions that we know is not going to have a favorable outcome and we take the action anyway. If we start looking a little bit ahead to the outcome, generally speaking, we know what action to take. Powerful, powerful stuff, man. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like going to have to unpack this one during editing. This is great. This is absolutely fantastic. You share the success story and how you have ground, 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 self-aware, self, you know, built 
built with other people, built with your you know wife and your family. Now that you have this thing kind of going, you know, what's next for you going into the end of 2022 and to next year? Motivational speaking. That's really? a great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I met, I've been with my wife for, for 10 years. I met her or 11 years. I don't know. Um, I met her very shortly after coming out here to Tennessee and I uh, got here in 2012, um, late 2012. Okay. So 10 years. Yeah. Late 2012. Um, and when I met my wife, I told her that I would be a motivational speaker. I was two years into my journey at that or a year and a half to almost two years into my journey at that time. And I was, I was ecstatic with the growth that I made back in 2012 which was nowhere and, and, and still I was ecstatic. Um, so that's been unfolding this whole time to get into the, the speaker world. And within, I would say within the last 90 days, uh, I've, I've professionally begun speaking, um, and, and garnering, uh, wages for speaking. And I have, I have a vision. That's, that's another part of that vision. So every coach that I touch, can go out and touch a hundred and, and I'm hoping more. These are conservative. These aren't just, just 100 people during their whole entire career. They should be able to do way more than that. Okay. Every time I speak, if I speak one-to-one, -one, then I've only changed one person. If I speak one to 1000 and, and I'm able to change so many more lives. I have this vision. I, I know, I know the socks that I'll be wearing. I know the shoes that I'll be wearing. I know the suit that I'll be wearing. I have this vision on stage with 10,000 people out in the crowd and I'm speaking a message to them that has a neurological effect that will go out and change their life. And, and it's, like I said, it's, it's just, it's, I'm at the ground floor. It's just beginning to come a reality. Well, what's reality at echelon front? You know, so for those of you, I, I got to go in April of 2022 to Nashville and, you know, participate in the Echelon Front event at Operation Stand Down. And Greg was the keynote speaker introducing the whole event. And he took some time to explain some leadership principles and communication principles. And I'm like, okay, you know, this isn't Tony Robbins I'm listening to. This is like a real, you know, person. This is, this is like real stuff. In other words, you, you were authentic without being preachy or condescending, you know, and, and I'm like, huh. And Andrew had told me, you know, Hey, you know, Greg's the real deal, but the experience, it was truly, you know, something that I hadn't seen a whole lot of because I got to tell you honestly, Greg, I'll, I'll go hear a motivational speaker in the first five minutes. I'm like, okay, you can look this thing up online, download it from Google. And he's saying the same thing. I'm out. I'm not interested. And that wasn't the case with you. So, so as we kind of wind this down, you know, my last question would be around, you know, how do you remain authentic despite all this change going around, even positive change? How does your authenticity remain a constant in you? Yeah, so that's a great question. And what I suggest to people and what I personally do is I have what I call operating agreements. So I operate, I have 14 operating agreements um, to each, to everyone can form their own. But these are my filters that I run things through every time I, I've broke them down and decided that these always can be a truth. For example, one of one of my uh, operating agreements is that uh, just just to help when people are like, what's the secrets? <laughs> one of my operating agreements, I say, is, is always evaluating things on context and ecology. So what I mean on context and ecology, so when I'm forming a decision, I'll say, hey, did I, am I looking at content here or am I looking at context? 
Oh, and by the way, have I evaluated ecology? Okay, those words sound cool, but let me put them into like a, a, a term that everyone grasps. Wife's taking a nap, son's in the house, hooting and hollering. We could easily say, Xander, don't yell in the house. This has an away from energy. I'm saying what I don't want instead of what I do want. And the furthermore, if I said don't yell in a house, so then my son, what if he agreed? And he said, okay, dad, no more yelling in the house. Two days later, what if mom and dad are taking a nap and there's a fire? Oh, I want you to yell in the house. So what we talk about is context and ecology. So the content is he is yelling. The context is yelling while someone is sleeping. So we have a conversation instead of saying, don't yell in the house. I'll say, hey, Xander, isn't mommy sleeping? Yeah. Or I might say, where's mommy at? She's taking a nap. Oh, she's sleeping right now. Shouldn't we be quiet while she's sleeping? Yeah. The whole time we're going towards what we want. We're evaluating the situation on context, not content. I'm not upset. I don't think that my son is acting out. He's really just enjoying himself. And what's the ecology of telling him to not yell in the house? Well, the consequence of that could be one day there could be a fire and I need him to yell in the house. Well, this is just one of my 14 operating agreements. I've established my own personal 14 operating agreements and I filter them through every, if, I, if I'm ever wondering where's true north for me, I run it through these 14 operating agreements and we're done. We're right there. We're on true north. Very fascinating. I, I haven't had a talk like this in a very long time, so uh, I, I can't wait to unpack more of this and find out more. And if I'm this interested, I have to feel that people watching this or listening to this would be interested. How do people listen to this and say, you know, I want to be one of those 100, gain my own 100, contact you to learn more, Greg? Yeah, and, and the best way to do it, if you go to GP Mind Growth dot com gpmindgrowth.com there's some information about what nlp is um there's you can go on there you can download i have a, a free ebook it's nlp a life-changing approach to self-development and there's plenty of opportunities um you can click a link on there to schedule some time with me i do uh any time that i first meet with someone i have a have a rule it's always a 15 minute zoom because here's the deal i don't i don't want to waste your time i don't want you to waste my time in 15 minutes we can find out if this makes sense or doesn't make sense and one of my rules are, one of my operating agreements, if you will, um, no sale goes down on the first call. The first call is to find out if we're fit for a discovery call. If we're fit for a discovery call at the end of the 15 minutes, if you're like, I'm loving this and I'm like, I'm digging you and I, and I feel comfortable with this, we're going to go to a 60-minute call. On the 60-minute Zoom, I'm going to be doing what's called an ecology check. So I currently have a 100% success rate. I have so far, I have in my business has no chargebacks and everybody that has taken my courses, everybody, and, and I do my testimonies a day. I get testimonies from people a day after they finish, six months after, a year after, 100% success rate. The secret that I share with everyone, there's a secret that I use to get a 100% success rate. Everyone, if I, if I were to put 7.85 billion people through the course, I wouldn't keep a 100% success rate. It's not, everyone's not going to match, right? My secret is during that one hour Zoom, I'm doing an ecology check and I won't work with you unless I'm undoubtedly sure that I can create the change that you desire. So if you want to reach out, just go to gpmindgrowth.com, schedule yourself a 15 minute Zoom. Let me know what your questions are. Awesome. That's gpmindgrowth.com. I will have that link in the Oscar Mike Radio show post. Greg, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I mean, you know, even even from seeing you in Tennessee, even hearing Andrew and others talk about, you know, 
you know, how your life has impacted them. It, it was, it was bound to happen. Right. But now that it's here, it's like, I, I think this is a message that people need to, you know, see here and experience. I just want to thank you for, you know, what you provided today. I appreciate getting to be on and getting to share with it. I, I, I love your platform and what you're doing and, and, and helping people elevate their voice and their story. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we say in Oscar Mike Rita, we are mission flight. We have Mr. Greg Pease, Marine Corps veteran and founder and owner of the GP Mind Growth Academy. I'll have the link in the show post. You don't want to miss it. Thank you very much for Mission Flight.